going to John today, chapter 20, verses 1 through 20. It's a word that God has been dealing with me on ever since Resurrection Sunday. Because we need to understand what it did for us. There's no way I have time to talk about all of that today. It's so significant to us today. And so as we read the word today, I want all of those that can, unless you can't stand, I understand. I ask that you please stand for the reading of God's word. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 20. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We give you glory for this, your word. We come against anything that would stop this word from getting to these, your people. And we thank you today that the enemy is defeated and you are exalted. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for a relevant word for this day and this hour. Lord, we thank you right now. Let your word have preeminence in this place today. As your Holy Spirit reigns in this house, transform this place by your power and your authority. In Jesus' name we pray that everyone say amen. John chapter 20 verse 1 through 20 it says the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark into the sepulchre and seat the stone taken away from the sepulchre then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said unto them they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and he came first to the sepulchre, and he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying. Yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulchre and see the linen cloths lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulchre and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the sepulchre that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. See two angels in white sitting. One at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, 
why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seeketh thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them peace be unto you and when he had so said he showed unto them his hands and his side then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord let the church say amen. I just want to preach from a very simple topic today that I want to expound on just a little bit. Simply this, the next day. Touch your neighbor and just say the next day. Good God Almighty, the next day. You may be seated if you can. Hallelujah. The next day. There's so much power in just that phrase right there when it comes to Jesus. Because when we say the next day, we're talking about after the three days. When he was in the hinder parts of uh, the earth that he went down and took the key death and the grave and now we see the next day and, and you know I, when we were in Sunday school this morning I begin to think about this text and uh, you know brother LeCount I mean, he, he began to start just kind of rolling back and forth over the text for a little while and he, he didn't know it but he was right on track amen and really just confirming what God wants to say to us today in talking about the next day because prior to the next day it appeared that we had lost it had appeared, appeared that the enemy had won and it seemed like Satan's plan had worked and they were having a party seemed like all of our hopes had been dashed against the wall 
seem like we might as well throw in the towel and everybody might as well pack up and go home. In fact, when we begin to walk into the next day, we'll find that a lot of them had packed up and gone home. The disciples, they had closed themselves in behind closed doors because they were afraid, amen, that the soldiers were going to come get them. They, they, was, they were afraid because they thought that all had been lost. But then here comes the next day. Uh, they thought that everything that they had hoped for, amen, was gone. Have you ever been in a situation and, and you thought something was getting ready to happen and it looked like it wasn't going to come true? You ever been in a hospital room and somebody looked like they wasn't going to make it, but all the next day came. Whoa, my God. The next day. Reminds me of a little conversation I had with Deacon uh, uh, Harvey on yesterday, leaving the sanctuary. He began to talk about his mother was sick, and they began to call the family together. Oh, because they thought that even the doctors had said, there's nothing else we can do, but all of a sudden, the next day, Oh, come on, somebody. In the room, and she was sitting on the side of the bed, eating, and just, oh, because God can do something in the next day. Well, I, I, I remember when I got saved, because when I got saved, God gave me a next day. Oh, there's something about the next day. Because well, they thought she was lost, thought she was gone. And here they thought Jesus was gone. They thought he was done for. Thought the enemy had won. Thought they had beat him down. Thought they had the belt. But all the next day. Who we walk into the next day. Oh my God. When we begin to look in the next day and we see Mary. Mary Magdalene. A woman. And see the thing about it. This was the woman that Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. Oh, my God. But she still had hope. Oh, come on, somebody. Oh, they went to the tomb and they began to look, you know. And they began, because, see, the, 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 the scripture, there's a scripture that tells us, John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world. That so means he loved us so much. That, that so is huge. You, you can take the soul out of that and it'll change the whole meaning. But when you, 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 you well, God loved the world. But it said, for God so loved the world. He loved you so much that he sent his son. Good God of mine. Oh my God. His only begotten son sent his son to die for us. Somebody wasn't even thinking about it. And some of us, amen, wasn't even thinking about God. I, I remember when I used to club, wasn't even thinking about God. I thought some, some way I was going to trip up and get saved. Before it all happened. How many of y'all know that getting saved is a conscious decision? Oh, you just don't trip up with this. Amen. You, it has to be in your heart. Say, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. Amen. That he rose from the dead. Oh, my God. Here we come walking into the next day. Oh, we thought everything was lost. But now we see the next day. After the three days, you see the next day. And just looking at the background of the text, because what makes Jesus so unique and above all the rest, and I, and I heard you talk about it this morning, Pastor Tori, that above all the rest, what makes him so unique, because, see, from, from Muhammad, from Confucius, from Buddha, because his grave is empty. Yes, sir. 
The rest of them, you can still go to the grave. Oh, my God. Oh, by now, they've already decayed. Oh, my God. But Jesus, the next day, you know, the, the thing, you know, sister, the thing that gives the New Testament its power is Calvary. Oh, and the resurrection gives the New Testament all of its power. If it had not been for the resurrection, the, oh my God, the New Testament would be null and void. But because he got up, amen, it gives everything in the New Testament. That's where it gets its power from. Oh, because he got up on the next day. Oh, but can I preach it like I feel it? My God, he got up the next day. Because see, the next day did something for me. It did something for you. That next day did something for you. It did something for everybody in here. Somebody shout the next day. That's why the Bible says, if a man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All these old things are passed away because he's given me a new day in the next day. Oh, ain't it something, y'all? Oh, my God. And so now we see Jesus. We see him. The next day, oh, I love this, I, I, I love this, because see, in the background, we see here, you know, that he has left the grave, and they went, and they cannot find him, and she begins to look for him, and, 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 and he was so powerful that, that, every, that, that, you know, death could not occupy in the place where he was. Death never met a man like Jesus. See, because there were three things that death had never run into. Death had never run into a man that wasn't under the curse. Never run into what we call a blessed man. Death never ran into that had all this favor on his life. Death nev never ran into a man that did not have the curse on him because that's what caused death to be able to have his power, the curse. Death never ran into a man that had life in him. And when death drunk Jesus' blood, it drunk life. Oh, come on, somebody. Oh, because death never ran into a man, amen, that had life abiding within him. Oh, my God. So here comes Jesus. The whole time they were thinking that they were beating him down. They were thinking that they had control. Satan thought he had won. But the whole time, oh, man, my God, it was Jesus' plan. Even when things look chaotic, Jesus has never lost control. I heard a preacher one time said, you said that, that you know, God is not in control. I had to step back from the TV and look for the remote. Because God is always in control. There's no time when Satan snatched the steering wheel out of his hand and start driving. He's always in control. Let the church say amen. amen. And so we see here that when we look at the life of Jesus, 
and we look at the cross. How many of y'all know he's not on there anymore? Hey, I, I just want to put that out there. Hey, hey, but you got to understand, the cross is the most recognizable symbol in the world. Anywhere you see the cross. He, he, even folk did not even say, amen, folk be in the club sporting the cross. Because they understand what the cross is. And, 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 and many people, they, they understand the power of what the cross sig sig uh, signifies. In, in my neighborhood back home, some of, the, some of the fellows, they would get together and they would drag race. But they would put the cross on the front seat. Because that's supposed to be protection. Put the cross. Or because they knew the power of what he did, even though they didn't want to line up to what they're supposed to do. They put the cross. Anybody know something about that? They put the cross on the front seat because of the power in the cross. And so we see here that when we begin, begin to look at the text and we begin to look at our Savior and begin to look at our God, there's a text, there's a passage that said, he said, I laid my life down. They didn't take my life. I laid it down. For all of you, I laid it down. And by him saying he laid it down, he said, I could have called 12 legion of angels. To come get me out of this. Most of us know one angel slew 185,000 men in one night. If he called all of them, they could have slain the whole world. But he said, I'm laying my life down. I'm laying it down for you. I'm laying it down for the young people over here. I'm laying it down for the older people over here. I'm laying my life down. Oh my God. And so we, be, we begin to look at him now, the next day. Here he comes. Mary looks. Peter and John had already gone. Mary looked and she hung around for a little while. Because I believe Mary thought to herself, she said, something ain't right. <laughs> I believe she said something ain't right. Because this, this, this man snatched seven demons out of me. And, 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 and he can't handle death. So wait a minute, something ain't right. I don't believe it. You ever seen someone say, I don't believe that. I believe, I believe that's why she was saying this. I don't, I don't believe that. Something ain't right. Something ain't right. And then she looked over there to who she thought was the gardener. And she said, where, where, where did you lay him? What did you do with him? And Jesus called her name. Good God of Mary. First she didn't recognize him, but there's something about the voice because God told us in the word. He said, my, my sheep know my voice. 
Because you see, way back in, 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 in the land in the Middle East and the other places where, where they have the sheep and they have all the shepherds and the shepherds will come together and start talking. And the sheep are just remingling all around them and mix all up. But when the shepherds begin to depart and walk away and they make that sound, every sheep that know that's their shepherd, they'll turn and they'll follow him. I mean, why? Because God said, my sheep know my voice. Good God. See, when you're close to him, you know the voice. When he speaks to you, you can be getting ready to do something. And God said, don't do that. You say, oh, I know it's him. I know his voice. Good God of mine. And, and so we see here, the next day, we begin to look at what's going on. When we look at the cross, we see all the fruit of the Spirit. When Jesus was on the cross, you can go down the line and all of the fruit of the Spirit was on the cross. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, uh, patience, all, all of us on the cross. In Jesus, just hanging up there. All of it was there. And then they, they took him off. Put him in the tomb. Can, can I just talk about it? I, I just want to talk about it. Amen. I don't even have time. Amen. But I want to talk about the next day. What it did for me. What it did to you. And so we see here. When we begin to look at it. There's a couple points I want to talk about here. Because when he said it is finished. He said, it's finished. What did it mean by that? He said, I mean, I paid the price for redemption. I paid the price. So the first point I want you to see here is when we talk about the empty tomb. There's many that, that tried to refute the empty tomb on the next day. They said, why? And, and first they said, they called the swoon theory. The swoon theory says, they, they tried to say that he just passed out. He was unconscious. But when they began to look at the swoon theory, they said, that don't make any sense because the soldiers made sure he was dead. That's why they didn't break his leg. It had already been prophesied that none of his bones would be broken. They said, so that, that, that don't work. So, so well, what we're going to look at now, the next one they looked at was what they saw. They, they got called the confused disciple theory. That disciples went to the wrong tomb. But they said, no, that, that won't work because they have been to this tomb. They have been to this area many times. They knew where they were. Oh, come on, somebody. And then the, the, the last theory they, they had was the theft theory. Somebody stole his body. But they made sure that wouldn't happen because they had guards on the outside. They had a stone rolled in front. And then they had this thing called the signet. They ran it across the front of the tomb and, in, and, and to make sure that that was not broken in any kind of way. The guards stood up there and they said, we're going to make sure that he don't get out. Oh, somebody shout glory in here. Woo! Look at your neighbors telling him he rose, he rose, he rose. And the other thing I want you to understand, what makes this so awesome. <laughs> John 19 talked about Nicodemus and, and, and a man named Joseph. It said that they brought spices and myrrh. And it was about a hundred pounds of it. You find it in John 19. About a hundred pounds. And they put on top of him. And wrapped all that weight was on Jesus. 
And the reason they brought so much, because when it was a king, a royalty, or somebody of importance, this, this is how much myrrh they would bring, myrrh. And I don't, they brought all of that and piled on top of him to keep him smelling. But he still, I ain't hear nobody. What? Ha! He still got up. And then in the Hebrew tradition, the Hebrew tradition, it says that when we read the text, it says that the napkin that was on his face, that when they came and looked at it, it wasn't just thrown over to the side, but it was folded up, side nice and neat. And the Hebrew tradition said that when you got up from the table, if you weren't coming back, you just... But Hebrew tradition said, if I'm coming back, I fold my napkin up. And it was folded up, signifying, I'll be back. <laughs> so it, it was just sitting there, folded up, letting us know, I'm coming back. See, he had already told us he was coming back. Good God of mine. But then when we look at this thing and we begin to see the little signs that he left. The next day. What the next day did for us. So then we begin to look. What else did it do? It reversed the curse. And I love the way he did it. Let me, let me tell y'all something. There's nothing that Jesus did by mistake. He reversed the curse. So what did he do when he reversed the curse? The, the first one that he spoke to. Because see, when the curse came over man, it was a woman in the garden. So to reverse it, he would have to come and talk to a woman in the garden. And reverse it so now the woman would take the message back to the man. Amen. And let them know that he is risen. Somebody shout glory up in here because the curse has been reversed. That's why there's no other name greater than Jesus because the curse has been reversed. Somebody shout glory up in here. If you call cancer, all I got to say is Jesus. If you call sugar diabetes, all I got to say is Jesus. If you say heart attack, all I got to say is Jesus. If you say stroke, all I got to say is Jesus. If you say high blood pressure, all I 